Welcome to Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris, where we talk about relevant issues as it relates to individuals in grief as they navigate finances and the advisors who help them. We help clients in grief navigate financial matters. We also teach advisors how to emotionally and financially work with clients in grief through an unparalleled process. This week's episode is sponsored by Life After Grief Financial Planning and Life After Grief Consulting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris. In this episode, I am going to be talking about dealing with the minutiae. I have been asked by several listeners how I personally have dealt with and how I continue to deal with minutiae, things that go on in your life that really don't make a big difference, but could bog you down and waste your time and your energy. For the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to give a very specific example of something that happened in my life, in my family's life, that I had to deal with and how I dealt with it. And some of the folks around me kind of saw me dealing with this situation and um, asked how I wasn't upset. And so this has to do with my house in 2014-ish. We got a new roof on our home here in Orlando. Unbeknownst to us, and I'm not going to name the company, but unbeknownst to us, the roof was not done very well at all. I come to find out later on that the crew that did the roof was later let go. So if you don't know much about roofing, and my understanding is you have a company that basically subcontracts to crews to do roofs. So in this particular instance, the crew that did our roof, uh, they just did it too fast. I'm not sure how they got paid, but they just did it too fast. It ended up that about 30% of the roof that was replaced had to be redone. And so I'm going to take you on a time leap. So in 2016 or so, we began seeing discoloration in the flooring in our master bedroom. And we thought it was a wall leak and thought maybe it was a crack in the stucco. And, you know, had a few experts come out and figured out that there was a gap in the flashing just below the roof line. They didn't overlap it. And it was about a one inch gap. And Anytime it rained, water would get in that gap and it ran down the course of the wall and it ran underneath and it ruined our floors. That was the first one. It wasn't, you know, life shattering, uh, but it was an inconvenience because it wasn't our master bedroom. And then, you know, fast forward about another year or so, uh, I'm sitting in my office and this is after I had started Life After Grief Financial Planning and I noticed that it was raining and it was during a hurricane and I noticed that a wall in my office looked soft and I could basically, you know, put my finger through it. And uh, I went downstairs, my office is on the second floor and I noticed leaking on my car in the garage and I said, I thought that's pretty odd. So I come back upstairs and I look at the wall again and the wall is deformed at best. And I literally poked my finger through the wall, it was that soft. And I stripped the wall as I noticed that more of the wall was damaged. And I realized that that leak wasn't new. And in fact, there was uh, some mold 
and one of the supporting studs in the wall had rotted. And I realized that the roofing company that did the job also was to blame for this. And what they ended up doing, and again, this was an accident, they poked holes in the stucco outside uh, while they were repairing the roof and some of the flashing. And what that did, they poked actually several holes and that created openings to our house. So the reason we didn't notice the leak earlier because the distance between the outside of the stucco to the interior wall is, I don't know, maybe eight inches or so. So there had to be a significant amount of water for us to notice the intrusion and the wall and the insulation just soaked it up for a few years. And so I went to, after I, you know, figured out what was going on, I went to the roofing company and um, they, you know, politely said that it is not their issue. And so without getting too upset and too mad, and I'm very uh, sensitive to mold and you can imagine there was mold uh, as well. And so I got a mold company to do a mold test and you can imagine the mold test came back positive. I started noticing some things, you know, my allergies were really bothering me. So I simply sent this test to the roofing company and they began to act quickly. They got a contractor out here. They got a mold remediation company out here to mediate the mold and uh, take care of that issue, which had to be taken care of first. And after that was completed and all the mold was removed, and they began construction through a general contractor who I happen to know through a friend of a friend. And so that entire situation took about eight months. And it was probably seventy-five dollars to $100,000 worth of damage to our home. And it all got fixed. And it all got fixed the right way. And the contractor that came on the scene, he comes up to me and says, Chris, why aren't you upset about, you know, the extent and the damage to your home? And I looked at him and I said, if you've been in my life, especially the last 10 or so years, you will realize that this is just a blip in my life. And the point that none of my family got hurt was, you know, the turning point for me that I, you know, didn't need to get mad or dedicate any emotion to this situation. So I just looked at it like that and I knew it was going to be getting taken care of and I went about it the right way and I kind of knew and understood the steps that I needed to go uh, to get this situation. But it was a, it was a very big deal. I mean, you talk about eight months and I was just starting, you know, life after grief and I had to move where my office was, so to speak, had to, you know, live in a different location, you know, for eight months, uh, not out of my house, but as far as my office and my boys, they were used to having separate rooms. And uh, one of my boys rooms was affected because his room is adjacent to my office. And so they were, you know, living together in the same room for the better part of eight months. It was an interesting uh, dilemma, nonetheless. And um, the roofing company, they completely acted appropriately, you know, after I took the right steps. So again, I'm not going to name the roofing company. My sense was that everybody makes mistakes. And again, nobody got hurt. What I'm also going to do for the purposes of this podcast is I'm going to give you a couple of 
probably more than a couple of steps uh, when dealing with minutia. It's actually going to be five things to think about. Number one is to choose your battles. And so when picking my battles, I use this outline. Doesn't have to deal with God. Doesn't have to deal with my family. Or is it a health situation? And if the answer is no to any one or all of those, I generally let it go. And so this situation with the roof had to deal with my family's health and our well-being. So, of course, I had to deal with this battle. However, I didn't have to deal with it emotionally because it was something that could get fixed and it did get fixed. And again, no one was hurt or injured. I'm going to revert to a previous podcast that I had with my brother. So my brother and I were, we talked about, you know, arch enemies for a lot of years. And he could say the sky is blue and the sky may have actually been blue. And I wanted to say that it was black and there would have been instant rage. And so what I've learned over time is that instant rage draws a lot of time and energy away from you focusing on things that are important in your life. And again, I, you know, revert back to my brother and I, when we had a very tumultuous relationship before we were able to resolve it and really mature and, you know, grow up together as adults. Number three, focusing on doing one thing right versus focusing on 10 things and doing them all wrong. I use this guide, being a good husband, being a good father, And then I also, above all else, being a good spiritual role model to others. And, you know, in regards to the roof situation, I could have chosen any number of personal battles with either the company or individuals that I was dealing with. I focused on one singular thing and I kept that at the top of my mind and it is getting this situation from point A to point Z and getting it resolved in our best interest. If I got into personality conflict, if I started saying bad things, that would have just distorted what we were trying to do and it would have sidelined. And again, I had laser focus because I wanted to make sure nobody got sick. I wanted to get back in my office. I wanted my son to get back into his room. So again, I focused on doing one thing right and not focusing on doing a whole bunch of other things. And again, I use that example of getting into personality conflict with someone at the office. That would have been one of a myriad of things that I could have done wrong. Number four, take responsibility. Very specifically here, I was unsatisfied with my career before I started Life After Grief, and I was unsatisfied because of a couple of things. It was taking time, personal time away from my family, and I wasn't able to do things for the focus of my clients. I wasn't able to 100% focus on my clients. I had to do things for whatever company I worked for that sidelined me from, you know, ultimately focusing on my clients and, you know, I'll take a step back, focusing on doing one thing right versus focusing on doing 10, 10 things wrong. So in my previous companies, my sole focus was my client's best interest. Sometimes the company wanted me to attend this meeting or attend that meeting, um, or do this or do that. And it sidelined me 
from, again, focusing 100% of my time and energy on my clients. And so what I did is I took responsibility of my career and I took a leap of faith and I started Life After Grief Financial Planning. And that was with a lot of support from my family and my friends and, you know, frankly, my clients. Uh, they had a lot of confidence in me. So that was taking responsibility and controlling my own destiny. And so hence, I'm able to do things like this and uh, generate a podcast and how about a myriad of other people too, which I really enjoy. Step number five, stop taking on other problems, other people's problems. Many of my friends and you can probably relate to this or your family members have problems. Everybody has problems. I try really hard to be sympathetic and however, my family comes first and anybody that knows me respects that, you know, I will extend a hand, but if it invades my family time, then I back off again. I have this outline that I use. Does it have to deal with God, my family or my health? And if it doesn't fit within those, you know, parameters, then I usually back off. And I will include some of my closest friends into that family dynamic as well. And I, I try not to take on other people's problems because I know that can bog me down and, you know, make me less productive. And I'm going to take that a step further that a lot of my, you know, friends, colleagues ask me, how do I work with clients and I not let it bog me down? Well, I have outside interest that kind of make me step away from a situation where I may be working with a friend or a family member um, or a client. And so that helps me to, you know, deal with or be very productive when I am working with someone because I have the ability to step away. So I hope the examples that I've set forth for you in dealing with minutia have helped you. And I try to give real life examples of things that have happened to me in my life. And if you've liked this episode, please feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or whether your podcast preferences are. And also, please feel free to pass this episode on to any friend, family members, or colleagues. Cheers. Be well. See you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you are a client and are looking to work directly with me, Chris, and or my firm, head on over to Life After Grief FP. That is Life After Grief FP. The FP is for financial planning.com. If you are an advisor looking to emotionally and financially work with your client in grief, or if you are a client looking to get your advisor's head in the game, head on over to lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. That is lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. Any information referenced in this week's podcast will be located here in the podcast section. And as always, please feel free to share this week's podcast with any friend, family member, or colleague. Thanks for listening. See you next week on the next episode.